Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. This is the podcast that explores the digital revolution and the crazy twists and turns it's taking in a lot of different ways here. Uh, in Let's see, we're in the second quarter now of 2023. Things are moving fast. We've got uh, some interesting new things going on now as uh, all of the big tech vendors are working in new and different ways, more engaged than ever before with their partners ecosystem. So we've got a lot of stuff going on there. We've got the big event on the 20th of April. But today we wanted to give everybody a bird's eye view, an expert's eye view, a CIO's eye view from our good friend and member of the Acceleration Economy Analyst Network, Wayne Saden. Wayne, good to see you. Always good to see you, Bob. Wayne, if I'm not mistaken, we both seem to have that sort of hotel chic uh, background going on with us here. Well, as you said, we're practitioner analysts, and here I am practicing. Uh, I've got a new client, and I'm on the West Coast, and I'm doing a lot of traveling and learning a new industry. So I'm very excited, as I always am with a new client, to learn what they're doing and see how kind of the, the brain power of what I've learned and all the other acceleration economy analysts that I can tap into can really help a client uh, move forward in, through into the acceleration economy from wherever they started out. Now oh, that that's great. That's great, Wayne. So Wayne, the whole thing now I've had uh, such an interesting time over the last few weeks <clears throat> interviewing the uh, business executives leading the ecosystem businesses within the cloud wars, top 10 companies. And we're right in the midst of, rolling out that series, calling it the Partner Partners Ecosystem Innovation Series. And you've got, you know, a wealth of experience from your career and, you know, your relationships with a lot of partners, with seeing what customers want from them, what the tech vendors expect from the partners and all. Wayne, so let me turn it over to you. What's sort of your sense of things of how uh, the role partners are playing here in mid-2023 as companies are so eager to get into this whole digital world? Well, first, I want to say that the inspiration for what I'm going to talk about came from your series. I've been watching it. Of course, I watch your stuff every day. And really understanding that these major vendors that are growing like crazy are focused on their partner ecosystem. You know, they could be dismissing the partners and saying, let's just sell direct. Uh, we have such reputation, such name but still they're putting the effort into working even more with their partner ecosystem, as you've explained. So it kind of got me excited to think about where partners have come from and where they're going and, and kind of how, if you're a CIO or a CDO or a CTO, how can you best work with a partner? Because there yeah. are things you can do that enhance the relationship and there are things you can do that really get in the way of that being a smart for the CIO, CTO, or CDO. When just before you start, I just wanted to pick up on the one thing that I've really been struck by. I mean, I was expecting it, but I was really struck by the um, intensity with which all of these, you know, as you said, these giant high growth uh, Cloud Wars top 10 companies, they're not just saying we want the partners to be, you know, uh, play a role in what we're doing. They're all expanding and uh, intensifying their reliance on partners to do things. And in return, the expectation is the partner doesn't just sort of come in in the ninth inning, no. drop off something, take a check and go. They want them there from the very beginning. You know, what's the, what are the ideas? What are you trying to achieve? What's your strategy? Where are you headed? Then through the ideas and concepts and on up through. It, it's a very exciting time. And I think it's just a massive uh, 
massive um, opportunity for customers to get the benefit, not only of what the big cloud providers are offering them, but then the industry expertise or so on. But I'm babbling away here. and You're the guy who really knows what's going on. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Well, I want to start by saying there are traditionally three types of partners. So when you hear I'm a partner, you got to really ask what we're talking about. So the traditional three, and there's actually a fourth that you've been talking about. So you have the value-added remarketer. That is somebody that sells you the software or the hardware or whatever parts from the big vendor and gets a piece of that. They get a little bit of a spiff. They get a commission. They get a percentage. But they value-add is the key. They are not just a conduit, not just an order taker. They are adding value to the transaction. And that's the traditional partner that everybody kind of works with over time. The second one is the independent software vendor. That's somebody who writes software that's designed to nestle inside of or next to the big company's product. And that's changed a lot. It used to be the stuff came on a magnetic tape or a floppy disk and you figured out how to put it together. And now with stores, you know, Apple Store, Oracle has a store, ADP has a store, Salesforce has a store, you can now integrate extremely seamlessly. And so that market has really taken off. The third category is the pure implementation support consult. You hire the big four, they come in and they tell you how to do and help you do whatever you want to do. Typically a bigger company, typically working on a bigger engagement. Maybe you're going direct to one of the big software companies, but you still need that extra help. But Bob, there's a fourth category, and you keep talking about it. That's the co-creation partner. Um, in fact, many years ago, I was the CIO of a bank, and we built software around another company's product. And we we actually, I sent my team out to competitor banks to implement software for my competitors. It really annoyed me because they were helping my competitor, but it put money into the coffers. Uh-huh. And so more and more, we're seeing companies move around. You could be a VAR. You could be an ISV. You could be an implementation partner. You could be a co-creator. And so the the market is changing quite a bit, which is good for the vendors, good for the partners. And again, I'm going to say from the CIO perspective, mostly good for people like me. Yeah. Wayne, you know, that those in the categories you mentioned, too, is interesting. My conversation the other day with uh, the head of the ecosystem business at uh, ServiceNow, uh, mm-hmm. Laura Vellini, Erica Vellini, she said that uh, for too long, said things. The tech vendors have looked at those partners and tried to sort of keep them in those silos. You know, you just do this. You just mm-hmm. said there's still some people that do that, but said we're also encouraging those partners to hop across those lines because the customer needs have changed, and so where appropriate, they want the partners to be able to deliver those values, uh, the value in ways that are lined up with the customers changing expectations and requirements. A really interesting time here, especially to hear it from your CIO perspective. Well, I think that gets into why does a vendor ever want to sell indirect? You think, if I'm going to sell, why don't I want to capture all of that revenue? So let's go back historically. And and again, some stuff has changed in the acceleration economy. But traditionally, a vendor went indirect because it was a smaller account. If you're a company the size of Microsoft or Google, do you really want the person with 50 seats of Office 365? Mm-hmm. They may need more handholding than a company with 50,000 seats because they don't have the internal staff. So that's one reason. It's a smaller account, and you just don't have the energy, time, and, and perspective to focus on the smaller account. Um, it may be it's a niche industry. Somebody does something in trash collection or in environmental management or some weird part of the oil and gas field where you really need to have a lot of hands-on experience to know what it's like to go work at a wellhead 
versus I'm a software person working for a company that sells a horizontal solution. So they can provide that. You know, I like to say if I'm working with a construction bar or ISV, I want them to come in with their hard hat. Yeah. If they're not wearing a hard hat when they show up, I don't want to do business with them because I know they don't really know what it's like to go out in the field. Um, it also may be a smaller market. I work with clients that sometimes operate in smaller countries. So you have to know the local market. What are the regulations? What are the laws? What are the political situation? The currency hedging issue. And so while I'm sure a Microsoft or a Salesforce could invest in every country in the world, they don't because there's just not enough volume in those countries. And then the vendor may just not want to do consulting. The vendor says, my business model is I make software. I sell you the software. I'm not in the business of helping you customize and configure. But, you know, today there's one more thing, is that these vendors are growing so fast, even the biggest vendors just can't hire enough people and onboard enough people. And when you're talking about a vendor growing at the speed of our acceleration economy top 10, how do you double the size of the support group? I've been in that environment. It's very, very hard. So by partnering with somebody that's already got 500 or 5,000 or 50,000 people, you can get them incented to learn your product, and that multiplies your ability to deliver. And, you, know, you talk about service now. I got to say, they're the ultimate partner ecosystem company because ServiceNow's product in a vacuum is almost useless. If I'm going to put in ServiceNow and just put it in a corner and not connect it to anything, what's it for? I'm going to put trouble tickets into it? ServiceNow's value is that they connect to everything and everybody. Yeah. And in doing so, they connect all of my disparate processes to one another with a very seamless connection. Mm -hmm. So that's a great example of a company that doesn't sell you a product in a box that you implement in a corner. And so it's really gratifying to hear that their partner strategy yeah. is so aggressive because a company like like the ones I work with, if we don't have partners helping us, we're kind of doomed because this is complicated stuff that we're trying to implement, not in a box or in a channel. We're trying to implement it across an entire company. So that's a great example of a company that really needs to build that partner ecosystem, and they are. And when you know your your point there about why would these big tech vendors not say, "Hey, let me sort of grab it all for myself." They have these partners, and that the not so long ago, right in the business world, technology went to a certain level within an organization, and then it stopped. But now it's moving through every organ, every function, every department of an organization. And as you've said, it's got to be connected this way. So there's a level of expertise of capability by function area, by industry area, by a certain type of technology that these partners can come in. And there's just no way, as you described it, for these big cloud vendors to scale and have, you know, hundreds of thousands of people with every domain level of expertise. It just doesn't make sense. So I think it's really good for them. And more and more, we're starting to see some of those partners be able to come in and they're like, as you described with ServiceNow, they're the front edge of that value. This is the thing that will help you. But if you don't know how to use it and incorporate it, which I do know how, you're mm -hmm. going to have a, a, a problem on your hands as the customer. So it's just uh, this enormous change taking place across businesses. The depth to which technology is being used in every part of the organization is flying along. And this sort of need for speed for companies to get in, get these things up and running quickly, don't require, you know, uh, endless maintenance and tinkering. Um, that's just sort of the name of the game now. And it seems that the, the partner 
category is in a perfect spot now to help fill a lot of those needs. Well, to your point, it used to be the technology was systems of record. We kept score. What was sales last week? What was linked quarter revenue? And so everything dropped into a bucket. And then once a week, once a month, once a quarter, we ran a report. And so that's one time cycle. Today, we've moved away from that into systems of engagement. That is, we're talking to customers, we're talking to partners, we're talking to our employees in real time. And we're moving to systems of insight. Remember, I'm the data modernization channel person at Acceleration Economy. So I focus on how to use the data. And that's a system of insight. The more data I can collect at the point of interaction, the point of sale, the warehouse, the truck dock, the better I can make a decision, which used to be a decision made in weeks or months, but now it's a decision I'm making in hours or minutes or even seconds mm -hmm. if I'm driving the fork truck around the factory. So mm -hmm. the partners have to be right there helping me build systems that touch every aspect of my business, from the historical record keeping right through the don't hit the wall with the fork truck um, implementation. And, and that's, that's changing the game. And so to your point, we got to know the industry. If, you're a, if you are an implementation partner, is it enough to know the supply chain, the warehouse business? No. You got to know the cold chain warehouse business because a frozen food warehouse is a whole lot different than a warehouse full of toilet paper. And so the, the partners become much more specialized and much more able to add value really quickly because they've done this before and you might not have. Yeah. Wayne, what other thoughts do you have on the, uh, the current role of the partner customer cloud provider three-way engagement? Well, uh, this is my guide is really for the CIO. So here's what I hear from CIOs that are clients of mine or CIOs I've worked with. Well, I don't want to go through a partner. I'm so important. I want to go direct to Microsoft or to Salesforce. And, you know, the guy's got, gal's got 500 seats of something. They got a $500,000 project they want to do. So that's crazy talk because mm -hmm. you're dealing with a vendor with 100,000 employees who thinks in terms of seven-figure and eight-figure deals. If you can't capture the attention of the vendor, if you're not important enough, big enough, or quite frankly, noisy enough to get their attention, you're better off going with somebody who cares about you. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, the vendors like to, your business and they want you to succeed, but I'm telling you that a local partner has a lot more skin in the game to make sure you're taken care of. Partly because when they get paid by the vendor, if you're not happy with them, the vendor might cut them off. Yeah. Secondly, because they they live your industry or your geography or your function, accounting or logistics or whatever. So you often don't want to go direct unless you're a mega company prepared to engage with a mega company. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. The second one is I don't need no stinking consultants telling me how to do what I do. You know, you do. <laughs> because if I'm an implementation partner or I'm a VAR or I'm an ISV, this is what I do for a living. And so I've done probably 20 ERP, EHR, CRM projects in my 30-something year career. The consultant I hired to do my implementation has probably done that many this year. <laughs> and if they've been doing it for 20 years, they've done 500 or 1,000. And you know what? Experience matters for something. So even if you don't use them to do all the arms and legs work, you want your own people to write the code, great. You got to bring in people with experience to show you what where you might go wrong. Um, the other thing is they know the vendor. So I did a project 
I've done projects with all of the big vendors. My implementation partner needs to be connected to the vendor. So if the vendor says, we have this agile methodology using these tools, that partner has been trained in that methodology. And when the vendor has a new release of that methodology, guess what? The VAR had to send people to training to keep their gold certification or platinum certification. So they have the resources, the time, and the energy to send people to training school to learn tools for implementing software that doesn't make any sense for you to go learn because you're only going to do it once, mm -hmm. right? And then they have vendor. Here's a, a key one that people don't get. They know who to call. If I'm dealing, and I'm not picking on any vendor, but if I'm dealing with any mega vendor, I don't know somebody in the development lab to ask a question about why does it do that weird thing on Thursdays? Um, and by the way, if you're a customer, get to know your software companies, go to the trade shows, be a beta site, be a, a person they can use for quotes, because that's how you meet the people in the labs. But the vendor who implements the software, they have a connection into the lab. I was working with a with a VAR once. I was working with a VAR, VAR once, Bob, and the vendor was in Taiwan, uh -huh. and they were sitting with me in Texas, and we had a weird problem with a brand new piece of hardware. And so the VAR says, hang on a minute. He picks up the phone. He dials a number. He's talking. He goes, okay. And he takes a picture of the screen of the device. Then he says, okay, well, I think they'll have a patch in a couple of hours. Let's go to dinner. <laughs> Somebody actually sent a patch to a piece of hardware from Taiwan where it was daytime. And we came back from dinner and there was a patch and the problem went away. I don't care how good you are, how smart you are, unless you have the Rolodex, you can't solve that problem. Yeah. So I think that's the real keys for working with it. And the third thing I hear is, well, I only want to hire the blue chip firms, the big four, the you know, the the big consulting firms. And again, if you work for a mega company and you want to pay twelve hundred dollars an hour, okay. If that's what you're used to, or your problem is so complex and your scale is so big, terrific. But you know what? If you call a company that normally does a project with a thousand consultants and you need eight, you are not going to get the right service. So, so kind of come off your high horse yeah. and figure out how to get the right partners. And so yeah. I'll stop there. That's the negative, but there's also a, how do you work better with the partners that we can talk about? Yeah. Wayne, and more and more, right. I think, uh, you know, the context you've provided here is a little bit from the, past, I don't mean a long time ago, but the fairly recent past to today, mm -hmm. you'd have projects and like, yeah, well, if it takes 15 months instead of 12 months, okay, you know, it stretches out a little bit, but, you know, we'll just, we'll just spread the payments out differently. Today, if you don't get something done in 12 weeks versus 15, 18, 24 weeks, there's a serious problem for the company. So all this advice you're you're sharing here with folks, I think is is particularly important in this lens. So it isn't the giant company is the only one you can work with because you deserve the best. It's who's the right company that can get you moving in the direction you need to more rapidly than anybody else. And as you said, you know, get off the high horse, pick the right player instead of thinking of, you know, who's got the shiniest logo. Well, a point you made there, Bob, if you look at the acceleration economy, look at Cloud Wars, your coverage you've been doing for about five years. Look what's happened to those big software companies in that five-year period. It used to be you gave an order, Oracle, Microsoft, SAP, and they sent you a box of floppy disks or before that magnetic tapes, and you implemented some monolithic piece of code and had to learn a programming language and projects took two to five years. Well, what happened 
lately. It's in the cloud, SaaS software. So you sign the contract and the next day they call you and say, okay, your implementation environment is set up. Let me teach you how to log in. And we've replaced a lot of programming, a lot of customization with configuration. So if I'm going to implement an accounts payable system, it used to be I would write the specs and the consultant would check them. And then another consultant would write the code to write the invoice. And then somebody would code it and bring it to me and I would test it. Now what happens is you bring the vendor in and they say, we have nine ways to pay invoices. Which ones do you like? Let me show you all of them. And you go, I like number two and number seven. Click, click. Okay, let's try them tomorrow. Oh, wait, I need this one change. Let me open the workflow screen and we'll add a step that now the legal counsel has to look at all invoices over 50 grand. Click, click, click. Okay, let's test. And I don't mean to oversimplify because every problem isn't solved by configuration, but the tools have become so much more flexible. Yeah. That's good and that's bad. It's good because it's easier to get going. It's bad because now you have a lot of choices and you have to know which ones are good. Yeah. If I have 14 ways to pay an invoice, do I really want to implement all 14? No. But I want to know which ones help me because the vendor has to look at how do I do it now? And then the vendor might want to take me aside and go, you know, that worked in 1992, but it's 2023. Let me show you a, a better way to do it. And so this is the kind of thing that happens. The vendors have changed the playing field with SaaS software. It's in the cloud, it's seamless, it connects, and it's modular. So that's changed our ability to implement software. And to your point, it's also the business demand is changing our need to implement quickly. We can't take five years to big bang into ERP or EHR. We've got to implement it in 50 little bangs done very seamlessly to not disrupt a running business. Yeah. Hey, Wayne, I'd love to get your thought, too, on something. The interview that we did for the the Oracle uh, installment in this, you know, Partners Ecosystem Innovation Series with Oracle was interesting because uh, I was speaking to the Oracle's senior vice president of their uh, strategic partnerships and global channels. His name is Doug Smith. The first example he gave of, you know, some new ways that Oracle's working with partners, the first two partners he named were J.P. Morgan Chase and FedEx. Now, somebody might say, oh, that's a mistake. They're not partners. They're customers. Well, mm -hmm. The evolution, which you've just described of, you know, what's happening now in, in the acceleration economy is these uh, with in this co-creation process with Oracle, FedEx in logistics and JP Morgan in financial services. Now they're going to be sort of come hubs of digital commerce within their industries with technology powered by Oracle and co-created with Oracle. So there's this additional new angle or dynamic in the whole partners ecosystem play where customers are stepping up into that role and becoming more not just a, a logistics company but a data services provider an innovation provider it's, it's a wild time well like i say the software has enabled us to do things we couldn't do without much difficulty if you go back many many years there was an attempt in 1996 a product of industry consortium called Integrion that was 14 U.S. banks plus IBM, and then globally it was about 30 banks trying to build that hub. The technology was not adequate to do the flexible thing we wanted to do, and it didn't work very well. Um, there's another technology hub called Covicent that was started by the when it was a big three automakers, and that was subsequently sold to a software company. 
And if you push the OnStar button in your General Motors car, you're connecting through a satellite through Covicent. Mm-hmm. But now big companies are able to take their global reach and the power of the software interconnection and build a hub. So, you know, we have the traditional build some software, put it in the store and let somebody use it. But now we have these major companies that are household names in their industry mm-hmm. saying we can do more than just yeah. sell you banking services or drive a truck to your office. We can be a hub that connects buyers and sellers, users and suppliers. And so I think what we're doing is we're seeing a broadening of the industry play where somebody can leverage their name, their their, their kind of philosophy and their technical expertise to build a tool with a software company mm-hmm. that allows them to make a profit and really the whole industry to benefit. In the acceleration economy, it's about getting stuff from here to there more quickly yeah. within our four walls and across mm-hmm. of, our, of, of our entire partner ecosystem. And so a vendor and a co-creator that knows the industry and has the clout to have people say, yeah, they probably know what they're doing encourages people to then build the connection into them. So I think that's the direction you're going to see a lot more partnerships go if the vendors are willing to extend themselves and think, I'm not just in the software business, I'm in the letting customers use my software more creatively business. Uh And a customer of theirs steps up and says, my secret sauce is not so secret that I don't want to sell it to other people to help us all um, improve our business. And that's what I think you're seeing with that, those Oracle partnerships. Yeah, yeah. It's a, just a remarkable time now, Wayne. And I think as always, you know, you bring a lot of clarity and, and sense to this. I think the, the counsel you're offering here to business technology leaders is is great uh, on the mark. Anything, Wayne, you want a, a final thought before we wrap up? Well, I'll just say if you're a CIO, don't be afraid of the partner ecosystem. But don't just abdicate to the partner. The one piece of advice I want to give is find the right partner and find a partner you trust and build a trusting relationship. But you can't just say, you do it for me. You can outsource your hardware. You can outsource your software. But please don't outsource your brains. So keep the control within your business unit, within your IT department, your project management office, your accounting department, and make sure that within your company, you are preparing for the organizational change that the partner is helping you make. So it's not the partner. It's not the software vendor. It's not you, the customer. It's the combination of all of you working with the direction of the customer because you're the one paying the bill. So that's the lesson I don't want people to forget. If you're paying the bill, you've got to keep aware and got to keep on top of everybody. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Well, Wayne, thanks. As always, uh, you've opened uh, uh, some eyes, some fresh thinking on things and just helping people keep pace with the remarkable changes here in this uh, dizzying acceleration economy. Well, it's all about trying to keep your head when everything is dizzying around you. What can I say? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Sounds good, Wayne. Thanks a lot, my friend. Good to see you. Folks, thanks to all of you for being with us here on Cloud Wars Live. He's Wayne Saden, and he knows what's going on. See you next time. Well done, Mr. Saden. Thanks a lot. This was good. We were short, too. We weren't the long 40-minute format. We were like 20-something minutes, so I think that's good. Yeah, we hit it, and you get to uh, go have some fun in San Diego now and and, uh, help 
get that new client of yours back on track. No, I, when we're done now, I'm interviewing Workday for an article I'm writing. Right. So with Carrie Ann, and then I get on a plane and go home. So right. <laughs> this was a bit, this was my acceleration economy morning. You're the second video I'm doing today, and then a client <laughs> call. So um, yeah, it's been a, it's been an exciting couple of weeks, Bob, but not as exciting as yours. No, that would be great, Wayne. Thanks a lot. It's always fun. Uh, safe travels home. Good to see you. And hope everything works well with the family. Uh, take care. It should be fantastic. Thanks, Wayne. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.